Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to advance in leadership, then this podcast is for you. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, and Monique Marquez, senior corporate leader, ex-Googler, and diversity expert. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Nikki Barua, your host for this episode. In the past year, we've seen some truly alarming statistics when it comes to the workforce. One study by Gallup and ADP Research revealed that only 14 to 20% of employees are fully engaged. Another by Microsoft discovered that 41% of the workforce are considering quitting their job. There is no doubt that the future of work needs to be focused more on the employee. Meet Shahana Banerjee, founder of Just Human, Not Resources, or JHNR, whose mission is humanizing work, culture, and leadership. Shahana shares her story of starting JHNR because although many companies talk about people being the greatest asset, they rarely act like it. She believes in seeing people as people, as complete human beings, not as resources or assets. Prior to founding GHNR, Shahana spent more than two decades in human resources leadership roles in some of the world's largest companies, growing multi-billion dollar businesses, transforming cultures, and coaching leaders. In this episode, Shahana shares why she chose human resources as a career path, how to tell if you're actively managing your personal brand, and advice to CEOs who might be hesitant to embrace change and the new world of work. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Shahana. Hi, Shahana. Welcome to the show. We're so thrilled to have you here today. Thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me, Nikki. Well, let's dive right in. Uh, I want our uh, audience to get to know you and learn about your story. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um. Well, I think my story, perhaps uh, at least the beginning of my story, is a little mix of heartbreak and hope. Um, I lost my father uh, in my early years, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's hard for any family to go through, irrespective of where you are in the world. But I think especially in those days in India, for my mother to be a single mother and bring up two Mm -hmm. kids was, I think, extremely hard. But she is a force of nature. And, you know, as relentless (laughs) as she is exhausting, I think. Uh, And in some ways, I think, you know, she really imbibed the values of hope and courage in us. Hope Mm -hmm. that no matter how bad your circumstances are and how much adversity you're dealing with, things will get better. Mm. And courage that, you know, there's no, there's no, you know, army coming to rescue you. You've got to rescue yourself and you've got to stand up and you've got to fight. And I think the third thing that she really gave us was the gift of choice. You know, no matter how big or how small the decision was, she always let us make it even from when we were very, really, when we were really young. And I think what that helped us with is, you know, gain agency, right? Being mm-hmm. in control of your own destiny, knowing that you had the power to really change, you know, how things worked out. Mm-hmm. And she never, ever told us that, you know, this is, uh, you can't do this or, you know, this just cannot be done. Mm-hmm. And I think that shaped me in so many ways. 
interestingly enough that's not actually what the external world mm-hmm. <laughs> you know uh what you see in the external world so i think what often happens is that you know you always have people telling you mm-hmm. that you can't do this this just cannot be done no one have has ever done it and i remember an incident when you know in my uh, college this very beloved counselor that we had actually told me you're never going to get into this you know very prestigious masters program because they just don't take people like you and uh, you know it was devastating in the moment but i tried anyway and i got through and for me it was a realization that when people say that you can't do this or this can't be done they just mean that they couldn't do it mm. right it has nothing to do with you because they don't know what you're capable of mm-hmm. they don't in fact even you don't know what you're capable of half the time right so mm-hmm. it's about you know try it anyway Right. and you know if it works out great if it doesn't try again and right. so somewhere i think that's really determined and defined a lot of my choices in life whether it is my profession where you know no two days are ever alike yeah. <laughs> because of the profession i chose or you know whether it is in terms of being the only in so many rooms that i have been in or whether it is you know the many 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 first evers in my career including being the first ever woman in an organization who was hired in 53 years of that organization's wow. existence where there were almost 3000 men in that particular organization or whether it was the first ever employee of you know a complex acquisition where i was mandated to drive integration so i think you know some of those have really been moments of you know uh exciting moments and you know yeah. how i define exciting is equally fun and frustrating <laughs> but you know fulfilling um you know uh, for sure yeah that's uh, so fascinating to see how your mom's wisdom and uh guidance has shaped so much um knowing your journey and seeing you know all of the things it really speaks to hope and courage and agency and to find your own path and doing that um and you continue to do that uh, still as you're charting your own path uh, but let's go back to the start of your career you know one of the things that we find mind um that so many women struggle with is clarity you know um there's uh, an interesting research report that speaks to only 15% of women have career clarity and if you don't know what you want and you know you don't really have hopes of getting there without that clarity and it's true at the early stages as they're launching the careers to mid career trying to figure out what next or sometimes even at experience levels figuring out where to go from there um tell us a little bit about you know how you gained clarity and um you know how you might have helped other people what advice would you give to someone who's struggling to gain clarity on what is their path or their purpose and what what has been the guiding principles that you've applied in that yeah that's a great question and you know as i think of perhaps my journey um my initial decision to pursue you know human resources really came out of my passion for both economics and psychology mm. and not actually finding a way to merge the two in mm. any profession at all <laughs> and so i think it's sort of you know just trying to be mindful of what you truly enjoy 
Mm-hmm. Right. And making a career out of it is perhaps the best advice, you know, that I've received mm-hmm. and that, you know, I share. I think the challenge comes when you enter an organization and you have to figure out how do you chart your career path. Mm-hmm. And I think there are two different schools of thought. And I certainly have a bias for one. The first is, you know, you look at your career as a vertical ladder, right? So you have an end destination in mind and, you know, you sort of, you know, trudge away. <laughs> Mm-hmm. in you know going from one position to the next to a higher position to a higher position right mm-hmm. i think the the there are pros and cons right? i think the pros are that you really you know blaze through you know in terms of you know where you wanted to get to i think the cons are that a that road may be way too crowded mm-hmm. and second i think is that when you reach the top do you have enough diversity of experiences that mirrors the complexity of the world that mm-hmm. you're going to be dealing with? And therefore, even if you reach the top, will you be able to stay there? Right. I think is the question that you deal with, right? The second, I think, career path, I'll call it a string of pearls. I think, you know, uh, in a gender neutral way, maybe it's a choose your own adventure career path, which is, you know, uh, chase fun and excitement and find roles that really speak to you that are, you know, uh, I have a passion for roles that are impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's uh, when it seems like an unyielding, really difficult, you know, the complexity of it, the difficulty of it, the fact that, you know, the dysfunction of it, frankly, right? Those are the roles that I get really inspired by and motivated to make a difference. And you can see your fingerprints on that from Mars, you know, if mm-hmm. you had to. And I think those are the kind of roles that have really sort of interested me. What happens with that is that the kind of career experience that you gain is mm-hmm. unique only to you. Because mm-hmm. nobody else has that blend of career experiences that you end up getting. And in a lot of ways, the kind of complexity that you deal with through that kind of a career mirrors the kind of complexity that you would deal with when you reach the top of your function or top of the mm-hmm. organization. So in many ways, I feel like even though it may take sometimes longer to get where you want it to, it is a much more robust career path that allows you to be effective. Mm-hmm. Once you get to those roles where you can truly make a difference. Right. And so that would be my advice, you know, that, you know, look for uh, what is it that you love and follow a career path that gives you enough diversity of experience that can then hold you in good stead as you reach the top. That is really powerful advice because as much as someone might have the sense of urgency of I just want to keep rising up quickly, doesn't really help as by the time you get there, you never had the strength training to be an outperformer at that level. Um, sometimes it does you a disservice, but your analogy of choose your adventure is incredible. I can certainly relate. That's been my experience as well. Um And what you're sharing is that it gives you this unique resume, this unique set of experiences that actually differentiates you and therefore makes you more valuable and more marketable because you're not like everybody else. Right. And that 
is really the foundation of your personal brand as well, because without that clarity of what you stand for, you know, what is it that is your unique perspective, um, it's very hard to be differentiated or seen or considered for the most interesting roles that are out there. Um, yeah. So question about that, you know, um, you have developed uh, such a powerful perspective, not just on, you know, um, talent and talent development, but the future of work um, in guiding companies and guiding individuals in that. You know, as you have seen your own sort of personal brand and thought leadership and philosophy come together, what have been some of the you know, pivotal points that have shaped it for you? So I think, you know, uh, I don't think I was always mindful of my brand, you know, as I sort of, you know, went through my career. It was more driven by the kind of choices I made in terms of, you know, these really impossible sort of projects mm -hmm. or roles, but also roles where, you know, I think one of the things that differentiates me is how do you really make the whole actually more than the sum of its parts? Mm. You know, a lot of people talk about it. Very few can actually do it. And it's like being an integrator. Mm. And in our polarized world today, where everyone seems to be comfortable retreating to their corner and digging in their heels, I think it's even more important to have people who can find common ground and who can get people to actually work together to do something truly remarkable. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think, you know, part of the uh, brand that I've created. But I think the roles, like you said, right, have really shaped that brand, uh, mm -hmm. you know, into what it is today. If I, you know, I always think of it this way, that if you, you know, went to office, called 10 people and asked them, you know, what do you think of my leadership style? You mm -hmm. know, will they have A, the same answer, right? Because if they have the same answer, it does mean that you're actively managing your brand. Mm -hmm. Or will they have very different things to say? B, will they, you know, say positive things or not? Yeah. <laughs> That's certainly a question. And third is that, you know, will different people think of it differently? Because then it means perhaps you're not consistent in, in the way that you show up, right? Mm -hmm. And you can only build a brand when you show up consistently across, you know, multiple scenarios, meetings, interactions, whatever it may be. Mm. And yes. so I think that is really the core of building the brand. And, you know, I think part of the brand is really being clear about your purpose. Mm. You know, clarity of purpose really has the power to propel you and liberate you in so many yeah. ways. And so I feel like the, you know, questions that I've asked myself are really about, you know, the first is just who I am and, you know, what's at the core of who mm -hmm. I am, right? The second is certainly what are my strengths? What do people always come to you for? You know, mm -hmm. what is really your superpower? And the third is perhaps a little bit of what's unique about you. What's your unique selling proposition that differentiates you from everyone else who's your peer? Yeah. And how relevant is that uniqueness in today's context? So if it is, for example, being an integrator, that is certainly relevant in today's context where, you know, it is hard to find people who are integrators. Mm -hmm. And, the you know, so those are, I think, the kind of questions. And the fifth one I always ask myself is, what can I not live without? 
you know in my early days i think you know as an introvert i found it quite uh, okay to not have a team but i think as i've grown in my career i've realized that that is something that is so important for me to have you know be able to feed off the energy of the team to really you know uh, i find it very fulfilling to see my team blossom and grow so mm-hmm. those are i think you know uh, how also my perspective has changed over the years yeah. in terms of what's truly important Right. Well, um I think those are powerful questions for anyone to ask and really discover their, you know, drivers and motivation and purpose. Yours is a very powerful one. Your mission is to humanize work, cultures and leadership, uh which is so inspiring and so needed um uh, even more so today. Um tell us uh, you know tell us more about where that's come from how that's been a culmination of your experiences from the past but also what you see as pivotal in the future Yeah So after you know 23 years of working um you know in some of the best organizations and some of the largest organizations in the world across countries continents you know all of that um I I had the realization that you know a lot of companies talk about people being their greatest asset mm-hmm. but don't always act like it. And I think they think they do but it it's not necessarily what you know the employees take away mm-hmm. from what they're doing, right? And I think you know there are so many alarming statistics that really point to that. If you look at you know uh, Gallup and uh, the ADP Research Institute last year ran a survey which is a global workplace study and depending on which report you look at only between 14 to 20% of the global workforce is fully engaged. Wow. Only about 15% of the global workforce is actually truly highly resilient. Mm-hmm. Um if you look at between 40 to 60% of people in their daily life have faced stress this is not stress that comes from a big project or a program this is daily stress that they are dealing with which is just horrible right mm-hmm. when you look at you know where is our leadership in all of this you know um that that statistic is even more worrying because you have a monster poll that ran in 2018 that tells us that 76% of us workers for example think that either they have currently or they have recently had a toxic boss right you have 84% in an shrm study uh, last year that said that poorly trained managers cause increased stress and you know increased workload and 50% people feel that they would be better and they would perform better if only their managers were better trained mm. so clearly something in our world of work is broken right couple that with you know the statistics that who and ilo international labor organization release which talks about how long working hours have really been correlated to high risk of heart disease and stroke 35% risk of stroke that's just crazy mm-hmm. so in some ways if we say that people are our greatest asset how can we not be doing better Mm. on some of these areas right now obviously this is a big 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 thing to crack right. and i truly believe that you know no company country university is going to be able to crack this on its own you really need a movement where people come together across boundaries to be able to work on this because it's the right thing to do for people to realize mm-hmm. you know and be the best version of themselves right we we are not set up at work 
to help people be the best they can be? And how can we actually make that transition over to help people be the best they can be is really the you know, problem that we are trying to grapple with in my organization, Just Human, Not Resources. And the, obviously, this is too big a problem. And you know, we are sort of starting small. But there are two things that we're doing. The first is, you know, is there a way that we can empower people right, to continue their learning in a way that, you know, helps them be better leaders, for example. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first things we have done there is actually released our, you know, um, how to be an inclusive leader toolkit. This is like 60, you know, slides of really high quality content, best practices from inclusive leaders that anyone can really look at mm -hmm. to be able to improve themselves. And these are small things that you can do that integrate into your daily life that helps you be better as a leader and bring mm -hmm. the best out of your people. The second is this whole return to work debate, right? Which mm -hmm. is, you know, companies and employees seem to be on two different pages of two completely different books. Yes. It's and fascinating to see the surveys. I mean, they're literally <laughs> polar opposites of what they're seeing, thinking, and believing. <laughs> they are. They are. And it's amazing because on one hand, you know, people have had an aha moment. They have really had reflections in the last year. Mm -hmm. And those reflections have been about what is their purpose? How does work truly integrate into their lives? How can they be the best they can be at work and in their lives, right? And, you know, how can do they do more of what they love and less of what they absolutely hate? Whether it is, you know, mindless meetings, you know, crazy matrices, uh, pointless processes, whatever it is, how can do, do they do less of that? and spend more of their time and get better value out of their time. So that's what people are thinking about when they are mm -hmm. thinking that, you know, companies really need to reimagine the way work happens, right? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, companies just seem to want to go back to things as they were before the pandemic. So, you know, they just want to, you know, return to uh, normal, <laughs> return to normal. What was normal anyway? And was normal working? Yeah. I don't think they're asking those questions. They are, you know, in this whole trend of wanting to get back to the office. And I think we are also seeing very different reactions, right? You have some companies that are just stuck in the past. Mm -hmm. They just, you know, they believe there is no case for change. They have no desire to change and they just want to come back to the office and you know they're creating these large events where people can get back you have others who see some conversation about change don't see the need why they should change and they're just reluctant mm -hmm. right and then you have you know the baby steppers and the pioneers who at least they are seeing some degree of need for change and mm -hmm. they are trying to get out of their comfort zone you know, uh, but they're having hits and misses, right. right, as they are trying to get out of their comfort zone. But even the best organizations who are truly moving the needle, aren't really thinking of it holistically as an ecosystem. They are still thinking of it very piecemeal as just flexibility, right? Mm -hmm. They're not thinking of a the ecosystem that enables flexibility, but b the much larger ecosystem that is about the world of work, and whether that is working for people or not. Right. Mm -hmm. And how can we truly improve the world of work? And that has so many different components to it. Right. That is about structures, policies, procedures. That is about, you know, how can we help the employee be the best they can be? And what are some of those things that are needed for that to happen? 
right? You've painted such a vivid picture uh, at a macro level about the complexities that we're already facing today as, as, you know, that frankly have existed for decades in the past, but I think the impact of the pandemic really surfaced a lot of these issues and made them more intense. Um, But I want to paint a scenario for you to comment on. On one hand, you've got companies that are really, you know, really don't see a case for change and just want to go back to the way things were. And on the other hand, are employees that may be concerned about job security, stability, income, um, and despite their desire for flexibility, may not have as many options, uh, you know, to choose from. What what would you say to the CEO of that traditional organization and what advice would you give to the person who feels stuck in a world that's not working for them anymore? I think to the CEO of the organization, it is definitely about listening to people. I think we have had a million surveys, uh, but not enough conversation. Mm. And those surveys are really short-sighted in terms of what they're asking, right? All they're asking you is, how many days do you want to come to the office? They're not asking you, how, how can we you know, create the environment for you to do your best work? And those two are very different questions. Right. And so I think the advice to the CEO is certainly to A, have those conversations and then start having task forces that can truly go tackle pieces that will you know, change the way we work, right? And not just focus on the narrow idea of flexibility as the thing and do it only because people are asking. You know, yeah. look at it holistically as, you know, something to solve for for the future rather than an immediate, you know, thing to appease people. Right. You know? it's, it's not just a logistic. It's not a logistical question. It's a it human potential question. Yes, that is exactly right. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future-ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to imbeyondbarriers.com slash quiz and take the quiz today. And and so uh, for, uh, let's say it's a, you know, it's a young mom that's already, you know, kind of doing double duty, trying to manage her career and, and home and all of that. And she's on the verge of burnout but she can't just quit her job and move somewhere. Um, how how does she find her way? Like what, how does she kind of navigate through that situation? I think that's a really difficult one. And a lot of people are in that circumstance, you know. Um, there is certainly the great resignation coming where 40% of employees are actually talking about the fact that they would leave if yeah. their employees, if their employers were not really making a change to the yeah. way we work. Um, but for a mom who is, you know, either trying to get back to the workforce or is in a difficult situation, 
I think, you know, the question is, what are the options? Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the job market today, it is on a high, right? Because the number of jobs that are, uh, you know, really coming up are significant. And so the advice would be that if you have to make a compromise in the short term, right, because you need that financial security, maybe you're the only bread earner. Mm-hmm. Right. In which case you might have to just, you know, bear with it for a while, but to certainly look at options right outside, whether it is in terms of, you know, a different job or to really go back and do the soul searching in terms of if this work is not truly aligned with your purpose, mm-hmm. if it's making you miserable, is there something else <laughs> that, you know, you need to be doing? Should you be thinking of starting something on your own? Right. Should you be thinking of making a difference in a very different way that gives you not only the flexibility, but mm-hmm. also gives you, you know, that alignment to your purpose. Right. And, you know, ultimately you'll be happier for it, even though it might be really difficult in the short term to deal with the consequences of making such a difficult choice. Yeah. You know, we see that pattern over and over again in the women that we work with and the Beyond Bears Accelerator and the cohorts is that there's this conflict of, you know, I know what makes me happy, what gives me a sense of purpose, what is aligned to my passion. And yet here's my current circumstance. And I feel like I've constraints that I can't break through. And what we often discover is that their fears and limiting beliefs, not necessarily impossible constraints. Um, and, and being able to find a way even to be open to discovering those options requires you to reframe how you look at circumstances. And on, you know, on that topic, I'm curious about if you faced any limiting, you know, beliefs that you've had to overcome, and if so, how did you do that? Yeah. You know, just one thought on the comment that you made earlier. I think, you know, uh, women especially, we don't ask, right? Mm -hmm. We assume that this is the constraint or this is, you know, the way things will work. And so a lot of uh, women, and I've certainly seen that in, you know, my career, will assume that flexibility is not possible Mm -hmm. or, you know, hesitate to even have the conversation because they don't want to be treated differently. But the And, you know, they would rather leave the workforce than have the conversation, which is just heartbreaking because, you know, many of the women that I think I've talked to over the years, they are so talented. They're doing what they love Mm -hmm. and it is heartbreaking if they leave the workforce. And so the idea is to have a conversation with Mm -hmm. your manager, with your human resources and see what's possible. Because often mm-hmm. companies will make, you know, certain accommodations, certain allowances to be able to help you manage or cope with what you're going through, whether it's a caregiving situation, whether it is, you know, young kids at home, whatever it may be, you mm-hmm. know, there are uh, a lot more is possible than you think it is, right? Right. And so it's Don't let the having- fear of the conversation of e- or fear of rejection even hold yeah. you back from even asking for it and trying it. Right. And what's the worst thing they can say? It's no. Say and, no. you know, then no. you sort of, you know, figure out your next uh, step, but yeah. at least ask, right? Um, if I look at, you know, the limiting beliefs that perhaps have held 
not necessarily held me back but that I've had to deal with in my mm-hmm. career I've certainly had my share of imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and being an introvert I think just compounded it further because you know as an introvert in an extroverted world in an extroverted company many times and in certainly a very extroverted function um I think it it was always challenging right to find exactly the right fit um and I think you know the thing about imposter syndrome that i realized and you know i think it's helped me really move forward is that at the heart of imposter syndrome is the question am i good enough and do i deserve to be here those are the questions you're always circling around right and as i reached for and i've coached you know hundreds of female leaders as well in my career and you know there are also male leaders who sometimes goes through imposter syndrome and the feelings of insecurity that come from imposter syndrome and i've realized that a lot of the you know information out there is so um is so limited right because they only deal with basically you know advice that is about dealing with it on you know on the inside right so it is all about fake it till you make it look at your emotions you know separate your emotions from fact and you know all those kind of uh, pieces of advice that are worthwhile but i think they are uh, quite unhelpful mm-hmm. <laughs> because at the end of the day right if you look at any female leader who's really made it they have really delivered breakthrough results despite you know all of their limiting beliefs mm-hmm. and how they have done that is by adopting coping strategies mm-hmm. so the real question right to me is you know the coping strategies that we use what are the coping strategies that the best use versus the worst right what are the coping strategies that are actually working for us and what are the coping strategies that are holding us back mm. and you know i'll give you an example because when we have imposter syndrome we think we are the only ones who see it but that's not actually true people at your workplace right can see it because or it <laughs> or sense it because it shows up in your coping strategy behaviors right mm-hmm. and so one of the examples of perhaps not a good coping strategy is that sometimes women you know who are in the throes of that insecurity can really be a very command and control sort of a leader mm-hmm. right they try to feel more secure by having control Mm-hmm. and so they can have behaviors that range from surrounding themselves with allies or yes people it could be you know trying to divide and conquer in the team because rather than the team be a network they would much rather have the team be a hub and spoke mm-hmm. where they are the center right mm-hmm. of the team and everything goes through them mm-hmm. they can become the bottleneck and so those are the kind of behaviors that you see and you know what this leader is going through mm-hmm. but and the heartbreaking thing of it is that i think the leader thinks they are in control when they are actually not mm. so much of this coping strategies that especially women use to deal with imposter syndrome we use it often in our daily life but we are so unaware of you know why these behaviors are being triggered mm-hmm. and having that you know having the self awareness to really figure out if the coping strategy we are using at work is working or not is really critical 
the flip side of it right you may still have imposter syndrome but if you are able to you know i've seen some of the best leaders do this you know really channel or channel their focus and energy into the purpose mm. and you know having their team rally behind a purpose trust their team and that can truly be liberating because you are you know not focused so much on yourself your you know believes your limitations how you are showing up you know whether you did a good job or not you are focused on really delivering something that is making a difference in the world and that you know i think is liberating in so many ways so i have found that you know the more constructive coping strategies i use right mm-hmm. the more it helps me really come out of you know um feeling like the imposter because then i can see the product mm-hmm. of you know the work that we are doing together and the value that we're creating and there's no better way to build true inner confidence than having evidence of success right. you know, right. so uh your accomplishments and your success will fuel that inner belief instead of questioning am i good enough to know that yes you are you have all of this evidence um that's a powerful way of framing it as coping strategies what are some other you know sort of uh specific constructive coping strategies that you've observed in the best leaders Hmm it's a good question so i think one is certainly the power of the purpose the second mm-hmm. is i think you know really getting the team trusting the team you know being mm-hmm. a servant leader so yeah. you are in service of something you know yeah. i have found personally that when i am thinking about for example a great presentation and how i show up how i am building it i am so self conscious that that is you know that destroys mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the confidence whereas if i am focused on my team you know i can fight any battle right <laughs> i can go to toe to toe with any ceo anywhere in the world because i am sort of you know um standing up for my team so i think you know for me that's a switch that you flip and you know really being focused on the team getting the best out of the team getting that network in the team where they are more than the you know some of their parts right and they yeah. are able to really uh, be the best that they can be as you know they are sort of fulfilling their purpose i think is truly truly empowering yeah. you know um there are so many different coping strategies but i think those are definitely a few that stand out the one other one that i will say that you know can be uh, you know not constructive if you don't use it well and could be constructive if you do use it well is you know a lot of women hesitate to be themselves at work Mm. you know we try to fit in so early in my career i did it a lot you know i was one of the guys or you know mm. you can be the damsel in distress or you play a character right you become the jokester or the you know class clown or whatever it may mm-hmm. be or sometimes it's the helpful mom right but it, those characters are very very limiting right mm. and they are not essentially who you are and so i think really discovering and connecting with who you are is very very powerful so this is an example of a leader who mm. is lgbtq right mm-hmm. and uh, you know felt uncomfortable coming out at work right extremely visionary inspiring powerful confident leader mm-hmm. but you know felt hesitant to really live up to their full potential Mm-hmm. purely because they couldn't embrace this particular part of their life at work mm-hmm. 
And so imagine the potential of inspiring so many others through mm-hmm. their story versus right. not being able to. As soon as they were able to embrace that side of themselves, right, which was really being truly, truly authentic and open at work, mm-hmm. it, you know, it helped them inspire so many you know, through their own, you know, ability. And so, you know, overcoming uh, the imposter syndrome, being able to be open, being able to be exactly who you are and not being apologetic about it, Mm -hmm. you know, has the power to inspire so many who are looking to you, you know, for that uh, permission sometimes, right? right? To be themselves. Yeah, because if you can see it, then you can be it. And that's right. Uh, even for those that we don't directly lead or coach, just simply being a role model and an example can inspire and change so many lives. Um, and you know, speaking of which, that's something you've certainly done uh, as someone who's accomplished so much, but also made dramatic changes, life and work, uh, in pursuit of a higher purpose. Um, tell us, uh, uh, give us a little bit of a you know visibility into that, you know, what um, catapulted you into uh, that, uh, you know, switching lanes, but also what are you most excited about as you look into uh, the future ahead and the things that you're leading? Uh, Great question. Actually, I think the journey started maybe many, many years ago, because 14 years ago, I started this blog where I would write stuff. And it was, it really has then, you know, sometimes it's the small steps that just don't leave you alone or the questions Mm -hmm. that don't leave you alone. And as we went through the pandemic as a family, I think, you know, we just these questions came up with increasing urgency of are we having the kind of impact we want is that is this all there is to life if we don't you know do this now uh when are we going to do it will we always regret if we don't you know take the step now Mm -hmm. um and you know are we always going to ask ourselves what if Mm-hmm. if we don't take this step. So essentially, we have jumped off a cliff without a parish. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to entrepreneurship. <laughs> I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur by any stretch of imagination. But I think it's just that the uh, living our purpose, I think, became much more important than ever before. Right. And so we started this organization, Just Human Not Resources, which is all Love about- Love the name, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) Which is about seeing people as people Mm -hmm. (laughs) at work, right? And it's about humanizing work cultures and leadership, um, and hopefully by empowering people to really take control and, you know, try to be the best they can be. So sharing information, etc. And, you know, we've just released, like I said, our uh, toolkit for how to be an uh, inclusive leader. I think the second part of it is, you know, um, we sort of found some like-minded people and formed an organization called the Human Energy Collaborative, where we are trying to solve this mystery of the whole return to work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully trying to have much more conversation about what is it that people are really looking for, you know, as they want companies to reimagine work. And how can we sort of take those conversations back to leaders and hopefully mm-hmm. open up a few minds? Right. So that's sort of, you know, the other thing that we are trying to do. Yeah. Um, we'll Early days, <laughs> we'll see what comes out of it. But so, I'm hopeful, excited, and, you know. 
So, so the moral of the story for everyone, um, you know, that's watching this or listening to this is that, you know, when uh, the world turns on its head, uh, you know, start not just one, but two organizations that are going to change the world. <laughs> I love that. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a bold vision and certainly exactly what is so needed, um, not just, um, you know, for return to work, but the future of work, of humanizing the workplace. Um, I want to wrap it up with one final question about your message to the world, if there was a billboard and you had a message to share, what would it be? Well, I think the message is that, you know, life is too short to not be the best you can be. And Mm -hmm. if you are in a relationship, in a company, in a work environment, that is not helping you be the best you can be it's really time to think about doing something different. That's uh, life lessons to live by and certainly great wisdom. Shauna, thank you so much for being on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We're so thrilled uh, to share your story and all of your actionable advice. Um, I think the audience will gain a lot, not just from everything you've shared, but also the tools and uh, the tips on your website and all the things that you're doing to make the world a better place. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Nikki. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.